Would you like to give a shout out to your dad for my new show? Yeah, I'd love to. Hey, dad, keep flying high. Love ya. G'day, dad. G'day to my old man. G'day, dad. Hey, dad. Hello, dad. Who is in heaven? Hi, dad. Do you want to say hi to your dad? Hi, dad. Hey, dad. Hello, dad. Hey, dad. Hello, dad. Thanks for everything, dad. Hi, dad. Hello, pop. Happy birthday, dad. Hi, dad. How's it going, dad? Thanks, dad. Hello, papa. Oi, Javi, old bastard. Hey, dad. Hello, dad. Uh, I hope you're well. Uh, I, I love you. Hey, dad. Hey, dad. Hi, dad. Where the hell are you? G'day, dad. Hey, dad. Hello. Welcome and good evening. For the last time this year, yes, it is the final episode of Farter Figures for the season. Not necessarily ever, but certainly the year. I'm Victor, and it is sad to be coming to an end. But it's also a reason to rejoice, and what better way to celebrate than bringing on a special guest to present the episode with me. He's here in the studio, so I welcome you all to my creator, my old man, my father figure, certainly a father figure, and my dad, Simon. Thanks for coming on the show, All About Dad's Dad. Great to be here, Vic. I didn't know I was a special guest, I must admit. I thought I was just the dad watching. <laughs> no, there's a few other guests, so don't worry about that. And now one thing I did want to ask you quickly, in an earlier episode I discussed the Cuvade, Cuvard syndrome, otherwise known as the sympathy pregnancy, and, and apparently it's men can experience similar pregnancy symptoms to their expectant partners. And a little birdie told me you may have suffered a few symptoms when mum was uh, pregnant. Oh, she might have told you that uh, I needed an extra pillow to sleep at night there um, to stop the reflux because I had a big belly as well. <laughs> and also uh, I used to quite enjoy having an afternoon nap uh, <laughs> with the fatigue of pregnancy. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a bit of BS in there, but there you go. So being a supportive parent and a loyal listener, you know how the show works, but for our listeners, the last three months... On Father Figures, we've been talking all about dads. Each week has this theme, and there's been such a wide range of different dads that have been discussed and discovered. And, of course, the light-hearted segments like Dad Joke of the Week, Embarrassing Dad Fashion, Annoying Dadisms, Dads in Advertising, that we shorten to Dadvertising, and Dad News. Tonight's show is going to be a bit of a celebration, being the last for a while, but it's also going to take a look at roles reversed when parents age... I know this is something you've experienced a bit. Dad, your own father, my granddad is 92. Yeah, well, he was recently um, unwell and I did have to um, do some uh, things with um, bowel actions and that sort of thing that he was having trouble <laughs> with. That he was very embarrassed saying... Um, Yes, it's a little bit role reversal at the time. <laughs> yes, well, we are constantly hearing in the media about statistics and studies pointing towards Australia's ageing population. And I guess it makes sense when you look at the increase of life expectancies. I was reading here in Australia in the late 19th century, life expectancy was about 50 years. Now people live on average a touch over 80 years old. So that's a 30-year increase since that 19th century. So I guess if everyone's living longer, of course, the country's population is going to get older. And I am just going to digress because on this show I love facts, I love animals, and I do love dads. So the Galapagos tortoise uh, has an average lifespan of more than 150 years. So if we're ageing, they are certainly ageing, but they almost went extinct until one hero and lusty Galapagos tortoise called Diego, appropriately named, I think so. Diego is over 100 years old, but helped bring his species back from the brink by impregnating heaps of female tortoises. <laughs> Diego is a baby daddy to an estimated 800 offspring, and to help you understand his potent lovemaking when they finally release some of the species back into the wild where they no longer existed. Diego was the father of nearly 40% of the wild Galapagos tortoises. A bit mm. off track, but go Diego, I think, hey, Dad? Yeah. 
<laughs> yes, it's done more than I can ever do. <laughs> Please. And later on, we'll be unpacking our theme surrounding Australia's ageing population and the parental roles being reversed when dads get into old age. I interviewed Rhonda Harold, who is the CEO of the Council for the Ageing Victoria, and we will be calling 92-year-old Cedric in the studio, who's actually my dad's dad. So I'm really looking forward to that. Lots and lots to get to, including the live draw of the competition, which dad will be helping with. I should also mention to our listeners, every show is propagated on the web, aka podcasted. Simply search Farter Figures on iTunes, Facebook or sin.org.au and catch all the wonderful dad content. Last week's podcast is online and it's about dads from different cultures. We had Senator Sam Dastiari come on and talk about migrating from Iran, the importance of identity and how he manages the public and busy politician lifestyle while caring for two young daughters. I also had Indigenous father Mark Mayo call in live from Darwin and we spoke about the multiculturalism of the top end and being an Aboriginal father. I guess the main thing I learnt about last week from the dads was the importance of having an identity and understanding where you come from. It's okay to be different, embrace your culture and accept other cultures. I actually played a Yotho Yindi track called Treaty, which was written by the band after Bob Hawke promised a treaty. But I just want to say Australia is the only Commonwealth nation that doesn't have a treaty with its Indigenous people. New Zealand did theirs back in 1840, so Bob Hawke couldn't get it done, but hopefully someone will because it's making us look pretty backwards here in Australia. Hey, Dad, we better get to the newsroom and some feel-good stories for the last episode. Your TV program, My Life is Safe. I can make a start. Thank you. Dad News! Dad News! It's time for Dads in the News. Our first story comes from an Australian study. 120 couples that had one-year-old babies were analysed. The findings of the research? A dad's bond with his baby has a great influence on the well-being of the whole family. Yep, if the dad-baby bond was strong... So was the family functioning. It's also found that the father's relationship with the kid would suffer more than a mother's relationship with the baby if the couple weren't getting on well. I think these findings are pretty obvious, unless you still believe the outdated thinking that babies are strictly women's business. Of course, the health of a family will be affected by how the dad relates to his children, and so let's just keep recognising the importance of dads. Our next story is the tale of a young hero. So, Dad, have you ever played stacks on at school? Uh, no, I don't think we used to do it in my time there. Perhaps at, um, yeah, I don't quite know why. <laughs> you would have been on the bottom, maybe. <laughs> well, anyway, a 14-year-old boy has taken out the Guy Evans Young Hero of the Year Award and a game of stacks on can also be credited. The dad in this story had a double pneumonia and went into cardiac arrest, coughing and falling sideways off his couch. His two young kids just thought he was playing stacks on when he fell and they jumped on him. (laughs) It's a good story, isn't it? And apparently the kids jumping up and down on him imitated CPR as he lay on the sofa unable to breathe. Crazy. And then the older brother came home just in time to perform more CPR and phone an ambulance that soon arrived. And his heroics, coupled with his younger siblings, stacking on, saved their dad's life. Have a listen to his son recount the story. This is part of the St John's Ambulance Everyday Hero Awards. I got home from school, saw my dad on the settee. Just thought he was playing with the kids. The kids was, like, jumping on him. I thought I was just having a laugh. Shortly after, come down. He's more lying down now. His eyes are rolled back. His mouth was foaming. He was, like breathing heavily for a couple of seconds and stopping for a while. So I took him off the settee, put him into the recovery position, called the ambulance, spoke to them, they told me to do CPR until they come here. They said that my actions saved him. When my little brother and sister was playing pylon with him, they said that that was acting as a way of CPR when they're jumping off the settee onto him. I think learning first aid is important because just having them skills with you for your life 
knowing that you can do something if someone needs it. Pretty strong accent, but I love that story. A settee? A couch, yes. <laughs> a real I hero. Love that accent. Yes, yeah. exactly. A real hero to his dad, and he's now on the road to recovery. I think you just yell out, oh, my foofa valve has okay. popped when I wrestle you, Dad. <laughs> it does if she pops sometimes. Oh, lovely, lovely. And to close in sport, all the way from Geelong, your hometown, and originally my hometown, a favourite son down there, but he's also a dad and a good dad, Jimmy Bartell. So he's a domestic violence advocate after having a bad upbringing with an alcoholic and abusive father. Last year, he actually grew his facial hair for full for a full AFL season in order to raise money for domestic violence. So he's righting the wrongs of his own father. However, he has caught the attention of Farter Figures Dad News tonight because of his refusal to vote on last weekend's Norm Smith medal. So for those who don't know, basically there's a panel of five selectors who the AFL choose, and they all vote on who gets the medal for best on ground in the grand final. This year's winner of that medal was Dusty Martin. Happy with the choice, Dad, or...? Uh, yeah, I think he's really fantastic. Yeah, I tend yeah. to agree. Rance was good early, but Dusty is a pure contested brute. Anyway, Jimmy Bartel has revealed he declined to vote on the Norm Smith medal in last weekend's grand final because he had a running wager that could have netted him $350,000. Bartel was asked to be on the judging panel, but he had placed a little multi-bet, and the final leg was Nick Bloston to win the Norm Smith medal. Obviously a conflict of interest, and the AFL asked if he could scrap the wager, but it was too late, and personally I think a shot at $350,000 was a little more important to Jimmy. The bet didn't get up. Mm despite Bartel encouraging his fellow commentators to make a big deal about Floston whenever he had a disposal. So, Dad, that's Dad News. Yes, I thought that um, he... Uh, I was shocked that he thought he would uh, vote for that other person to get the 350000 He actually had to take himself off the panel because <laughs> otherwise he would have uh, voted to get the money. Uh, I think it was more of just a conflict of... Uh, Issue uh, there, sort of players can't gamble. I don't think people voting on the medal can gamble on it, but maybe he yes. could have been tempted. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think he sounded he would have been. Yes, exactly. So before our first song, I've got something I'm actually pretty excited about. You or the listeners may remember that I've spoken about my struggle for synonyms for the words father and dad or trying to understand the different connotations of the words. Well, I've sought out an expert. Any letters and numbers fans out there? Me. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, I think it's an absolute cracker show. It's very nerdy, but it's very enjoyable. Well, I've got in touch with David Astle, the clever wordsmith, and tracked down some very interesting dad linguistic information. Enjoy this one on the last episode. Hi, David, and thanks for joining me on Father Figures. I must say that I'm... Uh, bit of a letters and numbers fan so I enjoyed the show yeah. I have for a while and uh, I I was talking to my parents and uh, we were joking that uh, you're the one responsible for the the harder crosswords in the paper yeah that's right so uh, <laughs> in fact if uh, thinking about um, fathers I'm also the mother of all crossword makers so yeah I apologize in advance for that <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. So, on an earlier episode, I discussed briefly at the start the sort of the difference between the words father and dad. And I think mm-hmm. lots of people think dad is more emotive. And a, and a famous quote is anyone can become a father, but it takes someone special to be a dad. So, do the words have the same meanings and just different connotations? Yeah, I think they're. Um... In fact, I'd, I'd say they have a different register. That's the way that uh, linguists would think about it, in the same way that g'day and hello uh, mean the same thing, but um, they just have a different warmth and informality. And um, so I, I, while they... I wouldn't say they're interchangeable because it would seem very odd for a child to say, um, Father, can you help me? But um, they're certainly... They are. They do mean the same thing uh, on the page, but I think in the um, in the beauty of uh, of child to father chat, 
they certainly carry a lot more um, a lot more different nuance. You think about something like father, which it comes from, you know, it it has all this sort of Latin uh, baggage that uh, it carries with it, because that's its roots, um, you know, coming through coming through German uh, filter after the Latin of you know pater, which gives us all sorts of very formal words like patron and patriot. And then you compare that to dad, which is really just from the mouths of babies. That's, um, you know, the Oxford just shrugs, doesn't quite know where it comes from. Um, it's hard to actually uh, source uh, anything beyond the fact it's most likely the, um, the, the babble of a, of a baby trying to, you know, get its, uh, get its sounds together in the same way that mum has that beautiful sort of nasal murmur as well. Um, so that's the difference right there. It's it's kind of like it's what Latin forebears have given us in father versus what um, babies in cribs have given us. So naturally, the words have a very different uh, degree of warmth. Mm, mm. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. So uh, whether the origins of the word dad was because of it was how, you know, kids as some of their first words might be dada or something like that. And, mm-hmm. and then the origins of father, yeah, you mentioned was more of a comes from the Latin background. Yeah, that's it. And, and in fact, it's really interesting when you look at, um, you look at baby talk, there's um, very rarely uh, the, the F sound. And, uh, of course, teenagers make up for that very quickly. Uh, lots of F sounds uh, going on once they hit their teens. But, uh, you know, when they really are newborn and sucklings, then um, consequently, without teeth, most of their sounds are you know, that really basic um, kind of nasal murmur for nations. And that's there's things like um, dad, in fact, you can um, link it down to things way back in Sanskrit. The word for father was uh, tata. So that still is that really basic rhythmic, um, no teeth involved kind of noises. And uh, it's that's the theory. That's, that's where it's from. In the same way that mum, really beautifully, I think mum most likely to be the first word for most kids because it's a little easier to say. And most importantly, it's easy to say when you've got your mouth full <laughs> because mum is often what a, um, a baby will say when they're uh, suckling or before they suckle. And uh, it's a kind of, it's a sound you can almost make at the back of your throat, um, particularly if you've got your you know, lips clamped onto the, you know, the good, uh, the good supply chain. And, uh, <laughs> Whereas with dads, it has that same beautiful uh, kind of throaty tapping sound without teeth, so with, with no need of dentistry. Mm. Mm. And it's quite similar sounding across lots of different languages as well. I think as well. Yeah, it is. In fact, if you if you look at um, you know the sorts of words that uh, uh, for father across across the the globe. You, it's either going to be an open A, so it's words like kind of at, ata. It's the D sound that we've got, or it's a T sound. Um, you know, like in, uh, in in places like Welsh, in places like um, in the Celtic uh, languages, it's and in Sanskrit, as I mentioned, it's more likely to be ta or tata. So all that suggests that it's um, that a word like dad has come from that same spring. And it's uh, and there is no formal uh, etymology as such. It's basically just infantile uh, phonetics, and uh, therefore it uh, has has the you know the, that beautiful redolent um, kiss of, of of the baby, and um, still with the, the breast milk on on, the, on their breast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And on the show, I get somewhat sick of saying dad and father because i do probably mm-hmm. mention them quite a lot during the show do you have yep. any synonyms for me <laughs> well you know i guess you've got things like the old man and uh, uh and pops and things you but they they probably mean different things to australian but uh, even though they they would be in the uh, thesaurus as being synonyms um i uh, i reckon that it's the kind of cloth that you've cut there victor doing a dad show because um, there's only so many uh, synonyms we've got for what is a singular person in a, in a, in a child's life. 
Uh, it's not surprising that a, a word like that doesn't have a thousand synonym because I think that says a lot about the beauty of the word and the, um, uh, the honour of the gig in that, um, you know, we don't want to bleach it with far too many synonyms. We'd actually want to celebrate it with a um, universal identifier. Uh, so I'm, um, I think your discomfort may be... Um, uh, you, you should check your discomfort when you realise that um, the reason there's such a finite set of synonyms is because it's uh, a unique gig. But I tell you, here's, here's a, another beautiful word that you might not have uh, linked to fatherhood. I mean, I, I mentioned the, um, you know, the sort of paternal and patriot. And, and there's another word like perpetuate, which also links back to pater in, in father, that idea of uh, fathering or parenting, you know, one idea, you know, into several generations. But the other word is genuine, which is a really, I don't know if you've come across that in your show. But, no, um, I haven't. Yeah, well, the Latin word for knee is genu. That's why we have genuflect. And then you think, well, how does genuine relate to the knee? And the idea, and this has been backed up by several, you know, accredited etymologists, is it's to do with the, the fact that when a child is born, you know, there's always some debate about who the father is. You think about ancient cultures, it's quite clear. The mother will always be the mother. But if it's um, there's any debate about the... Um, legitimacy of the uh of the uh, father's identity but in in roman times the custom was for that uh, father to be there you know very soon after the birth if not at the birth and to hold the child on his knee so if you are genuine that is you do uh you are both the genuine father you d- you dandle the child on your knee on your genu as much as you are the genuine child so whole idea of reality and um, authenticity gets down to dad's me. Wow. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Well, <laughs> David, that's probably all I wanted to cover. Is there anything in, anything else interesting? I know you've told me a lot of interesting stuff already about um, dads and fathers and how they uh, relate to, I guess, the English language. Well, it's funny. You know, I, I take great... Um, pleasure and pride in being a dad like every dad should and um but i also go around uh, the traps being known to some as da including um you know by a few within my family so when i'm signing off uh, on a little note on the kitchen bench or i'm sending a postcard to my kids and my son my daughter um i i sign off with love you da slash d in other words I feel like you can call me you can call me DA you can call me dad I'm really happy to that you call me dad because only only two people are allowed to do that um but I also know that uh dad has the um uh it's a beautiful term and I just wanted to give my kids the option of retaining it also you can talk to me as an equal as well so um I kind of play a little linguistic gag with a with a, um, a slash mark but i'm really proud and keen to retain that as a uh, as a handle hi this is luke's father and you're listening to father figures on sin nation Be a father. If not, why bother, son? A boy can make him, but a man can raise one. If you did it, admit it to stick with it. Don't say it ain't yours, because all women are not whores. 90% represent a woman that is faithful. Ladies, can I hear it? When a girl gets pregnant, her man is gonna run around. Dissing her for nine months when it's born, he wants to come around. Talking at him, sorry for what I did. And all of a sudden, he now wants to see his kid. She had to bear it by herself and take care of it by herself. And giving her some money for milk won't really help. Half of the fathers with sons and daughters don't even want to take them. But it's so easy for them to make them. It's true, if it weren't for you, then the child wouldn't exist. After a skis, there's responsibility, so don't resist. Be a father to your child. Unfortunately, I don't have the rights to podcast the music I play on Sid Nation. 
I guess that just means you'll need to listen live every Wednesday from 7.30pm for all the wonderful dad tracks. Just stream it at sin.org.au or listen on your digital radio. positive messages reminding us about the importance of being a father that was EDOG and the Bulldogs with be a father to your child you're back listening to the last episode of Father Figures for the season on Sin Nation I think that old school song was a good one for our last episode and of course my father is in the studio I hope he spoke slow enough for you to understand that one there dad yes and I did like uh, uh, the David Aspley was it David Astle, yes. David uh, Astle. And anyone who does the age crosswords will now understand why anyone that has a DA after it is extremely challenging because his vocab is far superior than mine is for sure. Yes, yeah. He was a very knowledgeable and interesting dad. So thanks for the Letters and Numbers co-host and the, the man DA for the tough crosswords, David Astle. And, yeah, he did explain a lot about the linguistics relating to dads and fathers. Now, let's look at tonight's theme. With Australia's ageing population, lots of kids have to care for their elderly parents. It's the role reversal of dads. Like most developed countries, Australia's population is ageing as a result of sustained low fertility and increasing life expectancy. According to the Australian Bureau of Statistics, their projections, the number of people aged 65 years and over is predicted to exceed the number of children aged 0 to 14 uh, years, and that will happen by around the, the year 2030. So basically the number of Australians over 65 will more than double in the next 40 years. So I guess there are a few issues this presents that I want to highlight tonight. The Sunday Age reports one in four Gen Y Aussies are relying on an inheritance to enter the housing market. So this is putting pressure on the elderly to leave home or hand over money to their families. This is called inheritance impatience. <laughs> and the majority of elder abuse is actually financial exploitation. And research recently published in the Journal of Housing for the Elderly followed a 1,000 older Melburnians for 16 years. Almost three quarters wanted to stay living at home. But after the 16 years of the study, almost a fifth were in aged care. And there, there are so many problems we are seeing reported in the media about nursing homes. A 2013 report from Alzheimer's Australia detailed cases of residents being shackled, assaulted and, and forcibly sedated in nursing homes. There are stories about residents left in urine-soaked beds. There have actually been deaths attributed to shoddy nursing home management. I guess there, there are plenty of good nursing homes out there amid the bad ones but a majority of the elderly want to remain independent in their own home and I think this often sees them rely on family members to help them out then there is the sandwich effect have you heard of the sandwich generation dad uh yes uh are they tacos like uh... <laughs> dad joke it's the first one uh you got a bit early that segment's a bit later not oh, bad sorry. not bad <laughs> no it's the generation of australians caring for both their aging parents and their children or grandchildren so about 1.5 million middle-aged australians are sandwiched uh between caring for both their parents and their children so i've got a guest on to help us sort of get a bit of information about all of this her name's Rhonda Howell. She's the CEO of the Council of the Aging in Victoria. So CODA Victoria is part of a national network. They deliver education and information and influence policies and decision makers to act in the best interest of older people. They work with helping the elderly, uh, trying to keep them at home, giving them the best care, improving nursing homes and stopping elder abuse. I ask her about the challenges of staying at home as an elderly citizen and the impact of the ageing population is having on Australia. There are so many studies and statistics that point to Australia having an ageing population. So what do you think are some of the, the main things as a society we do, need to improve to, to cater for this ageing population? 
Yeah, well, it's certainly, yeah, there is going to be a big bulge of the baby boomers and I think the first thing we need to do is actually acknowledge that and plan for it. Um, so I think that's happening at the moment more at a national level um, and ex at, in Victoria, I'm not sure that there's that recognition or willingness to to look at that planning. Um, so we're certainly talking to the government about that. Um, often we don't want to think about ageing, so <laughs> we kind of put it to the back of our minds. Um, I, I mean, there's a number of impacts of that. Um, we're going to end up with a very small number of people of working age compared to those who are um, over 65. Now, obviously, 65 these days is not really retirement age. You know, people are working a lot longer and are active a lot longer. So it's kind of a bit of a false statistical cutoff point. Um, but by 2030, there will only be 2.2. Seven people between 15 and 65 for every person over 65. Um, you know, so that's our workforce, that's our uh, informal carers. So we're going to really need to think about um, how we support, you know, the, the older, frailer people who need help. Um, we've got an issue with discrimination in employment. <clears throat> so a lot of employers don't want to employ people. I think recent research said over 45. Um, so that's quite young. Uh, so it's a struggle for people if they get made redundant or maybe they take time out of the workforce to care for a relative then to break back in and, and get another job. Um, and of course, you know, as you know, if you're living on Newstart, it's not much fun in terms of trying to make ends meet. So while people on the pension struggle, um, people on Newstart can struggle even more. Um, we've obviously had lots of debates about housing, um, you know, what wanting older people to vacate their houses, to let the younger people into the market. It's not quite as simple as that. So, yeah, there's quite complex policy issues in a number of areas. And do you think that um, most people do want to stay living in their homes and is that what something you uh, try and encourage at uh, COTA? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, people do obviously want to keep control and stay at home once you move into you know, a more congregate facility, you lose a lot of privacy and independence, but some people do need that as well. They can't get the levels of care they need at home, but uh, certainly all the surveys we do show that people want to stay at home for as long as they can. They might want to downsize um, their houses and um, you know that's an option, although at the moment the kind of accommodation available sometimes you know, is not there that they need if they want to stay in their communities. Uh, you might have heard a bit of uh, concern being expressed recently around retirement villages, so that is one option, but you need to be really, really aware of the financial implications of buying into a retirement village. Um, they're, they're more of a lifestyle choice than a financial uh, planning choice. So people need to get really good advice when they're making those big decisions in life. Um, you know, talk to other people about it and get the proper legal and financial advice you know, if you're going to make those sorts of moves. People caring for their parents and then also simultaneously having to look after their own kids or their grandkids. Is that sort of, is this sandwich effect sort of becoming more common? Um, yes, I think it is. Well, I mean, as, as we live longer, uh, you know, we've got more generations alive at once, so we're juggling more things than we used to, I think. I mean, when they first introduced the age pension at age 65, people only lived two or three years longer than that, uh, and now we're living till 1900. So, you know, obviously, um, yeah, we've got families spread over bigger age ranges and uh, we're juggling all of that. Um, I mean, we're also, the other trend is, of course, that you know people are more dispersed. So often, children move away into state or overseas, um, and that might leave, you know, for example, in my family, one person left um, to be supporting the parents, whereas there might be three or four children, but they're not living in the same state. Mm. And do you think that can cause problems with, um, you know, between the siblings of who's looking after the? The parents, and I guess you mentioned earlier, there's elder abuse, but that also might, yep. you know, people having trouble uh, working out the wills and all of that. You know, what sort of complications yep. is that? Sort of something elder abuse that can happen within families. Yeah, so I mean, elder abuse can take many forms, but financial abuse is one of the biggest forms, and that 
can arise from a range of factors. So you might have, uh, you know, maybe an adult son or daughter who, who do move back in with elderly parents. They might have some issues around, you know, addictions or gambling um, and put pressure on the parents to, to give them money. Um, you can just get, you know, ordinary families who are have what we call inheritance impatience. So they want to um, <laughs> just get their hands on the inheritance because their parents are living too long. Um, and, it, you know, again, some recent research showed that a lot of people are relying on that inheritance to be able to get into the housing market. So, you know, you can understand um, this sort of stress when, um, you know, that's not coming through. Um there are also um, issues around when um, families actually take the old person into their home, for example, in exchange for uh, money. So, for example, they might sell the family home, move in with a son or daughter or build a granny flat um, at the back of their house and they don't have any uh, kind of legal title over the property. And then if the relationship breaks down, the older person is left really in the lurch, um, not being able to retrieve their money. So we see that happening a bit too um, in the elder abuse service, so what we call an asset for care arrangement. So with all of those things, I think what we say to people is, you know, you really need to think it through. You need to get some legal advice. You need to actually have a written agreement around what the sort of arrangements you're entering into with your family. You know, if you're guaranteeing a son or daughter a loan to buy their house, you need to be really clear about when you need the money back and what the arrangements are and that sort of thing. So we often think, oh, we, you know, it's family, we'll just do it informally, but it's really important to get it documented and to get advice on those, those issues. Thanks, Rhonda. You can find COTA online at www cotavic.org.au or call their hotline 1300 13 50 90. They offer support for elderly citizens and the carers looking after them. Let's find out what a granddad thinks. Our next guest is my dad's dad. On the line now, 92-year-old Cedric. Welcome to Father Figures, Cedric. How are you? Good. Nice to be here, Victor. That's oh, hi, Dad. It's me as well. <laughs> Three generations of Mims. Oh, <laughs> all of you. Yes. Uh, yeah, well, there you are. Exactly, Cedric. So, do you think you could live at home without the support of your kids? I could do so, but life would be a much more narrow thing. I'm lucky to have really good, caring kids who come and stay with me, make sure I'm okay, and so on. But others, of course, were less fortunate and uh, their kids are even a long way away or they're not really interested in being of great help. Of course, grandparents are great, amazingly important, not only um, because of all their past or what they've done, but because they're the source of financial security and strength in the family. And so it was quite right whoever spoke last to say all about troubles with wills and elder abuse of a financial nature. But these things can always be avoided. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's very uh, interesting, I guess, the vulnerability of uh, the elderly. Um, do you feel the elderly get a fair go in society, Cedric? On the whole, yes. I mean, it's not as bad as the situation with females who still don't get a really good, fair deal. The elderly are different. I mean, people treat older people different. There was an American woman who decided to test this out. So she was only 42, and she dressed up as an old person with a bit of makeup, the right sort of clothes, and a bent up a little bit. We were walking with a stick looking like an old person. Everything was different. She described her day. Even in the supermarket, she was treated different. Some people were merely impatient with her, told her to get on and not hang around and block the queue, and others, of course, were more considerate. But she was treated differently. And I think that's true. You don't have to be abused to be treated differently. It's just one of those things that goes with being old. And um, it's not anything I complain about, but you notice it. Yeah, I agree. And um, sometimes people can be a little impatient as well. I know sometimes I'm a bit guilty. Cedric, 
Do you think there are problems with Australia's ageing population? Well, there are troubles, of course, are financial, because uh, as more and more of the population become oldies, it's the young people who are going to do all the basic work of, you know, making life livable and so on, working in fields, factories, shops, everywhere. And the fewer young people, and maybe in the end, who knows, science fiction, of course, but maybe the young people start to get a bit rebellious about caring for all these oldies who were very often, unfortunately, just sitting in armchairs watching television most of the days. But uh, that's just a science fiction possibility. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, Dad, you were um, orphaned from four years old, is that right? Yep. Uh, where did you get your um, fathering sort of um, values from, seeing as you never had one that you can remember? I didn't have any fathering values. I haven't really thought about it much. So I just picked it up as um, time went by and they were needed. It's, it's um, in the sense it's built into the male sex that he is caring for children. A lot of animals show exactly the same thing. They have an inbuilt urge to look after and nurture um, their children and other children as well. But I didn't have to learn it. Um, it's obviously better perhaps if you are brought up. And, of course, I didn't have any grandparents except a slightly malignant one that looked after us. Um, so I couldn't really make any comparisons. In fact, looking back, I had such an abnormal life at that age that I'm not sure what conclusions I can um, draw from it, except that they, you know, I didn't have a very good time. <clears throat> Yes, well, I think you did an uh, excellent job um, being a father and um, I've learnt lots of my fathering things from you, how you brought us up. Anyway. And Cedric, yeah, I'll that... oh, just cut you off. Do you think Simon's now showing some of those parental roles um, towards you when you age and he's, he's trying to get that role reversal of, of being a dad to you now? Yeah, you can say that again. He's really great. Thinking of the things that matter for oldies. Like, for instance, they get tired easily. You know, only can do one big item of going out or whatever, about one section of the day. Then they've got to have their rest. All these things. I mean, he's so understanding. You'd think he's an oldie himself at times. But he's only, he's only a, a youngster of 60. I mean... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, lovely, Cedric. Well, I think we're going to have to uh, move on to our final segment. So thanks so much for coming on. It's been a real generational affair. I've enjoyed having the three generations uh, chatting together, and uh, it's nice to see that Simon is being a, a caring uh, parental role reversal. Definitely. He's learning how that he learned, but he really does it well. It's been great to talk to you, Dad. All right, Cedric, Good. thanks for coming on. Uh Cheers. Okay. Okay, so um, I enjoyed hearing that, uh, Dad. And do you feel like you have become a father figure to your own dad? Oh, I don't think quite at this stage. He's a very vigorous uh, 92-year-old who's quite able to be uh, independent mm. still. Mm. He's got some Just good... when he was unwell. That was the only time when we did <laughs> sing a bit low. And, Dad... I won't reveal your age on the show, but I know Cedric just did. That's six zero. I was going to say you're able to get a senior's discount on your Mikey card. What are your plans for the future as you age? Are you going to just be relying on me? Um, relying on you? Uh, yeah, <laughs> well, well I you... suppose uh, it's hard to imagine uh, that I've got 32 years to go before I'm the same age as Cedric because I feel a bit buggered already. <laughs> And one last one, what did you learn from uh, Cedric, who we just heard there, your own dad? I knew he had a um, really tough uh, time as a orphan, living in an orphanage and not having anyone to care for him all those years. And I'm just always amazed how he uh, became such a good father. Well, I think that was um, a really good you know, insight into 
generations and the ageing population and I guess the reversal of parenting roles. I think it's important to uh, treat elderly people with respect, like Cedric said you did to him, and understand they are adults. Uh, They can probably be some tendencies when our dads get older to have some cognitive decline and you might sort of treat them a bit like their children. I mean, Cedric's very switched on. But I guess if you are caring for the elderly, respect their life experiences and just help and guide them to make their own decisions. Use the services available for assistance. And I don't think I'll say much more, but our ageing population is growing and we need to continue to look after them. Now, Dad, I got you to bring in a song tonight. What have you chosen? Yep, I've chosen uh, John Lennon's song, Beautiful Boy there, which um, is uh, a song that I think most dads would um, relate to more, but I think uh, some children might be embarrassed if they had a song like that written uh, for them there because it's quite loving towards his um, boy, Sean, which unfortunately Julian didn't get a song written by about him. That's his two sons, Julian and... Yes, yes. But I recently um, found out that the song Hey Jude, that was written um, for Julian and it was penned by Paul McCartney and it was just um, consoling him about um, John leaving him to have a child with another woman. Mm, and I guess he. I also read that he became a stay-at-home dad when he had that second kid because he felt he missed the upbringing of his first kid and um, I guess if he's penning all these songs about one kid it's going to make the other one feel a little bit bad so you're going to dedicate this one to me then tonight Dad or what? (laughs) (laughs) All right, we'll be back to wrap up I do, I think of you often when I listen to the song Oh very nice We'll be back to wrap up the show with our final segment after John Lennon with Beautiful Boy Unfortunately, I don't have the rights to podcast the music I play on Sid Nation. I guess that just means you'll need to listen live every Wednesday from 7.30pm for all the wonderful dad tracks. Just stream it at sin.org.au or listen on your digital radio. Father Figures is back on Sin Nation and that was John Lennon with Beautiful Boy, a great selection dad and I guess a little sad that was about his son and he just died before he could properly watch him grow up but also sad that he had two sons and one got all the songs written about him. Yeah, it makes me feel a bit tearful sometimes. Well, you're dry-eyed at the moment in the studio, so let's wrap this bad boy up. For the final time, Father Figures will highlight a dad joke, dadism and dad fashion. I'm excited to share some absolute pearlers I've got lined up, but I'm not sure if I can say I'm excited for yours, Dad, because I dare say I've heard them or seen them all a thousand times. Let's hear the wonderful intro one more time. Hey, do you think your dad's funny? No. No. No, no way. Yeah, not really. No. Hey, do you think your dad's funny? Oh, no. Ah, no way. Oh? No. Not really. (laughs) No. No way. No. 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 
Not particularly. <laughs> does your dad think he's funny? Of course. Yes. Yeah, he really does. Yes, I think he thinks he's hilarious. Yeah, I think so. Yes. Does your dad think he's funny? Yeah, he does. Yes. Yes, he does. Yeah, I reckon. Yep. Doesn't every dad? Yes. Yes. Yes! Is your dad a fashionista? What's that? A fashionista. He loves his fedora. Oh, yes. Aren't they all? He thinks he is. No way. Nah, he dresses lame. Certainly not. No way, Jose. Jeans and joggers every day. A Crocs cool? Hell no. He tries to be. Oh, he thinks he does. Nah. Does your dad say things that annoy you? Every day. Almost every day. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, what? Oh, yes, actually, quite regularly. Yeah. Every day. Always. Yes. Uh, does your dad say things that annoy you? Yeah, quite regularly. Yeah. Yes. Yes! Yes! <laughs> yes. Every day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, before we go at it, I've selected my three favourites from the season of Dads. We've had some absolute wonderful answers, some typically generic dad responses, some real eye-rolling replies. I've handpicked some of my best answers from the earlier episodes this season. Favourite or your go-to dad joke? Well, I was trying to think of them, and... uh... But my memory on jokes is terrible. I'll hear a fantastic joke and think I'm never going to forget that one and five seconds later it's completely gone. Um, I'm just thinking of one which my youngest daughter sent me the other day, which was, uh, why did the blind man fall down the well? Uh, I'm not too sure. Because he couldn't see very well. No, hang on, I'll have to start that one again. I'm making jokes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, because he couldn't see that well. Oh. <laughs> why, did the, why did the blind man fall down the well because he couldn't see that well? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the punchline kind of went out of that one, but that's right. <laughs> A dadism? You got something that you know might really oh, dadism. You know. Well, look, thinking back to my childhood probably my dad's was you know were you born in a tent close the door we've got a big open plan house so that's not me i'm probably more just you know who who left it on the bloody lights um, <laughs> particularly with energy costs as they are at the moment um coming home and no one's home but the house is you could probably see it from uh, the international space station it'd be lit up so well so yeah i'm forever complaining about turning yep. off the lights would probably be my dadism have you, yeah, have you got all the LEDs? Have you replaced all of them? Oh, some of them I have, and then some of I haven't, but of course, I've replaced them all, so I spe- expect all the family to know the slight hues, or the hues of an LED as opposed to an incandescent. So, of course, everyone knows that, don't they? So when they've got the incandescents on and not the LEDs, you know, why have you got that on? Yes. Yeah, okay. Worst at fashion. So... A while ago, I was walking past the Dimmies and I saw a pair of Bond's tracksuit pants for five bucks and I thought, that's good value for a pair of tracksuit pants. So I bought them and they turned, I think they're women's ones because they're quite tight. <laughs> but I refuse not to wear them and it drives my daughter because she's really embarrassed by them because they're a bit tight around the hips. Oh, that's all right. Do, do they bucks. flare out? Or they they flare out a bit, yeah. <laughs> and uh, they're, they're sort of the school pickup drop-off sort of... Nah, just, just, just around the house, just around the house. <laughs> when her friends come over, is it? Yeah. <laughs> Great stuff. The joke came from... Paul from Addicted Dads in episode five. I enjoyed his poor delivery, made it all the funnier. (laughs) The dadism was from Ross in episode four discussing working dads, and I know you're also a bit anal about turning lights off, Dad. Yes, uh, that's only my environmental concerns, not (laughs) anal concerns. (laughs) Uh, Either way, it can get a little bit frustrating. That piece of fashion was from Toby during episode seven looking at expecting dads. It was hard to go past his ill-fitting woman's trackies from Dimmies as the best piece of dad fashion. 
Before we get to our answers, I've also done a little poll of all the dads who have been on the show. There's a dad in the studio, so let's see if the results surprise you or any of the listeners out there. The clear favourite or go-to dad joke over the season has been when kids tell their dads, I'm hungry. And what do they say usually, Dad? What's the... Uh, yes, I'm Dad. Oh, hi, hungry, I'm Dad. Yes. <laughs> exactly right. Or the other response can be, have some fruit, have an apple. I know you often say that one as well. The dads use their dadisms mostly in the mornings, rushing to get the kids ready, whether they were clapping their hands, saying, hurry, hurry, or telling them to pack their positive attitude to school. But the most common dadism, and this doesn't surprise me, was ask your mother. Uh, classic. And analysing dad's responses to fashion, the overwhelming trend was comfort and not liking to spend money on their clothes. We had a big four-way tie for the second most popular dad garment. Short shorts, slippers in public, the Speedos t-shirt combo at the beach and socks and sandals. I think you're guilty of all four of them, Dad. Uh, <laughs> piece of Dad fashion this season was jocks around the house. Any surprises there? No, but I think the beach wear is a great place for Dad fashion. I can remember um, even your mum refusing to go on the beach <laughs> with me with my Speedos. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm the same. Not much surprises there. Pretty well-renowned dad stuff. Dad, let's close it out. What dad joke have you got for me? Well, uh, you know I'm a bit of a Johnny Cash fan and um, dad jokes seem to come out in the car trips. And I always used to um, uh, put in a request saying, uh, can we have that song about the night we had curry? <laughs> there you may be... Uh, don't get that that no, well. Uh, the Ring of Fire. Oh. <laughs> Pretty good, actually. I don't think I've, I've heard that one. Bring it out more, bring it out more. The funny thing is my Dad Joke of the Week has a very uh, similar theme, Dad. We did not plan this. We haven't heard each other's. Uh, what is worse than having diarrhoea? Um, having to spell it. Oh, <laughs> You were going to say, oh, I had to cut you off there. I didn't know what you were going to being say. Being a medical, slight medical person, that's not too bad. Much oh, of a okay. challenge. I'd rather <laughs> spell it than have it. <laughs> Moving on to dadisms, what's your favourite? Um, uh, seeing as my uh, work field, you maybe never have actually got this as a dadism because I'd often say, uh, I'm going to see a man about a dog. Mm-hmm. And. You probably didn't realise oh, that because you're a vet. That's also a dad joke at the same time. Yes, go, going to the bog. <laughs> yes, not bad. My final dadism for the season uh, is when you have kids, you'll understand. This one's probably spot on from dads. I don't have kids, but I think I do understand a little. I'm certainly not looking forward to those teenage angsty years. I think I gave you a bit of grief. Dad, finally, Dad fashion. I must say I have ridiculed and bagged some of your choices over the years, probably rightly so, I think. What's your favourite piece of Dad fashion? I do love the um, uh, very short baggy board shorts and the rashy vest and the very broad-brimmed hat down on the beach with my shoes and socks. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Lovely. A lot of Dad fashion in one uh, I must admit you don't mind an embarrassing piece of clothing. I'm going to highlight a simple piece of dad fashion tonight. I definitely had some inspiration for you from this one, dad, and that's the polar fleece vest. So very dad. I mean, I am an advocate for polar fleeces, just not the vests. An honourable mention must go out to flannos. I didn't get to mention on the show the true Aussie outback bogan country dad style that is flannelettes. But tonight's dad fashion is polar fleece vest. Uh, I can see you looking confused, but yes, no, that's definitely dad fashion, dad. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And that's the final bit of dad ribbing for the season. I've loved bringing you all your listeners' dad jokes, dadisms, and dad fashion every week. I've seriously loved it. Now, before Father Figures finishes, it's time to draw the competition. If you don't know, over the past few weeks, everyone who reviews the podcast has gone into the draw to win a world's greatest father mug. Great merch. Yep, just I'll mix them up, mix yep. up all the ones, and I'll just pick one out of the um, uh, bucket. Yeah, there. and this is legit. My dad okay. is much more trustworthy and honest man than me. Come on, I'll, what is it? I'll reach down into them and I pull this one out. 
Yep, read it out to us. Dwayne Bono, I love this show. I listen to a lot of podcasts at work and it's good to find a host that projects himself well and that seems to really enjoy what he's doing. Keep it up. So that's Dwayne Bono. Okay, so I appreciate the lovely feedback, Dwayne Bono. Get in touch with me over at facebook.com slash figures to claim your prize. Many thanks to everyone who reviewed the show. I really do appreciate it. During this layoff, you can listen back to previous episodes and stay tuned for what is next for Fada Figures. Jump on the Facebook page or search Fada Figures on sin.org.au and subscribe on iTunes. Let's get the theme music for a well-deserved thank yous before I sign off. A huge thank you to all my listeners tonight and throughout the season. I've loved bringing you the dad content every week. I hope you've enjoyed learning all about different dads just as much as me. And of course, the show wouldn't be possible without everyone who's supported Father Figures and been part of it. Thanks to everyone at Sin. I've loved the opportunity to do the show. Thanks to all my family and friends for the support and help in tracking down guests. Thanks to the talented and all-round good bloke James Coomins for the wonderful show artwork. It is brilliant. And the guests? Did you know I've had over 40 guests over the last three months? Some interesting, inspiring, individual and fun people have made Farter Figures what it is. Thanks to the following legends. Episode 1, all about IVF. Alistair, who was our dad using IVF. And Carlin, who had the sperm donor dad. Episode 2, we looked at dads in sport. Thanks to Ricky Nixon and Brett Anthony for talking about fathering in sport and Jenny Priest from the Play By the Rules organisation. Episode 3, which was Stepdads. We had three great guests, Stepdad and Biological Father John, Stepdaughter Maddie and finally Professor Gregory Tooley from Deakin University. In Episode 4, Father Figures discussed working dads. Our two dads on the episode were Ross and Sean. Also on the show was Gus, whose dad was a pilot, and Colin West from the Great Fathering Project Initiative. And thanks to the guests on the emotional addicted dads theme, recovering addicts and dads, Paul and Josh, and two knowledgeable experts, Dr. Stefan Grunert, the CEO of Odyssey House Victoria, and Michael Thorne, the CEO of the Foundation for Alcohol Research and Education. Episode 6 was Stay at Home Dads. Three marvellous and funny stay-at-home dads, Clint, Tristan and Sam. And not forgetting Jenny Baxter from the Australian Institute of Family Studies. Ep 7, considered expecting dads. Henry will be dad in about a month now. Thanks for coming on and good luck. And Toby reflected on his fatherhood journey. There were two doctors on the show, Dr Irene Lichtwark and Dr Luke Martin from Beyond Blue. Episode 9 was about adopting dads. Our adopting and biological dad, Pip, shared his story. Claire Halliday talked about being adopted and her book, Things My Father Taught Me. And Lee Matthews from Rethink Orphanages came on the show. Thank you, guys. Our 10th double-figure episode was regarding deciding not to be a dad. Thanks to our child-free men, Brett and Abby Nandan. Dr. Bronwyn Harmon from Edith Cowan University was also a splendid guest. Cheers to the four guests on the Topical Gay Dads episode, Gay Dads Hayden and Biff, Dr. Deborah Dempsey from Swinburne University and Sally Goldner, Executive Director of Transgender Victoria. Last week's episode, 12 about dads from different cultures, thanks to Sam Dastiari and Mark Mayo. And finally, our last episode tonight, thanks to Letter and Letters and Numbers co-host, David Astle, Rhonda Held, who is the CEO of Council of the Ageing Victoria, and my granddad, Cedric. Wow, what a season. Simply put, the show wouldn't be possible without all these guests. Now, Dad, you are my 40th guest, so thanks for coming on, and a big thanks for being a great dad and support, and of course, Mum too. Thanks very much, Vic. I'm very proud of you. I'll leave you with a quote. Thanks, Dad. I'll leave you. I'm absolutely exhausted after that. I'll leave you with a quote from Dad and former President of the United States of America, Barack Obama. We need fathers to step up, to realise that their job does not end at conception, that what makes you a man is not the ability to have a child, but the courage to raise one. Well done, Barack Obama. This last Dad track on Father Figures is I Love My Dad by Sun Kill Moon. Tell your dad, tell your friends, tell your friends' dads, and tell your dad's friends. Sign it off live, dad. Hey, this is Victor's dad, Simon, and sadly, you've been listening to the last Father Figures episode of 2017. Thank you all for listening. Thanks, guys.
If I came home too proud of myself, I'd get wrestled to the floor and choked. But I forgive him for that. He was an eighth grade dropout, and I was being a brat. I forgive him, I do. I know that he loves me, and he knows I love him too. When I was young, my father told me. Said as she kissed the cow, some like the fiddle, some like the trombone, and I live by that rule. Your trip is your trip, and my trip is my trip too. Yeah, I mind my own business. I'll have a no tools, and my friend here will have a kiss. So love my dad.